Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. A ton to get into on this week's show. We will look back to what happened in New Orleans, another Bucks win, a fight, more injuries, a suspension, Time to get into there, and we will preview this Sunday's game against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. As always, your quick social reminders to start off the show. I am Trey Downey, the Downey half of this dynamic duo. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. As always, we are a Bucks Nation podcast. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com. On a daily basis, tons of articles there uh, from the fallout of last week's game, the new signings, and previewing this week's game against the Green Bay Packers. And with me every single week, I hope he's not about to run off the sidelines and, and clock me a good one. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. He's the one, the only, Len Martez. If I was going to, I'd have did it by now. I've had so many opportunities. You've given me so many reasons over the last six and a half years to do so, but I'm past that point. I'm past that violence. <laughs> Unlike Lattimore and Evans, I am past that violence. Uh, like folks say on Twitter, some I don't folks, know if you're... some folks need a <laughs> <need> couple of counseling. <laughs> I don't know if you're a I don't know if you're a Family Guy watcher, but I saw somebody put out there that. Uh, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore are like Peter Griffin and the chicken from uh, from Family Guy. And uh, I thought that was a kind of perfect way to put it. We'll get into that in just a I'll little bit. I'll let you go on and on about that because big, fat, zero in that reference. I'm not a Family Guy. I, I love the fact that at, uh, the creators, didn't McFarlane, isn't McFarlane? Yep. That? Okay. God bless him. See, I'm more about the creativity of things as opposed to the foolishness and the nerdishness that you're into. <laughs> I'm more about the creativity, right? Props to McFarlane. He turned that into what he turned that into. I mean, he's, you know, Jerry Seinfeld created uh, Seinfeld. And what? The show's been off almost probably a decade and a half now. At he's least. Still, he's still weeping. Okay, same thing with McFarlane. Still weeping. So God bless him. I salute. All right, now let's get into last week's game. And I think the perfect way to kind of attack it is the way that we attacked the week one game against the Cowboys and talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And let's start with the let's start with the good first, because when we get into the ugly and we get into what happened with with the fight and all of that, that leads into previewing this game against the Packers because there are implications from that. So we'll say so we'll save that for a little bit, even though I know that's what most Bucks fans want to talk about coming out of that game. But the good to me was just another really solid defensive performance again. This defense, uh I mean with you know, losing some of the defensive staff, Todd Bowles taking over extra responsibilities as the head coach has not missed a beat. They have, if anything, gotten stronger. And that looks like the the strongest part of, of this football team so far. The defense really, really looks good 
through two games so far. I mean, are the two teams they played absolute offensive juggernauts? No, but when your defense is winning you these games, the fact that, what is it? A, they didn't score by halftime, and it's a 3-3 game late in the game, and you still have a chance to win the game because your defense is keeping you in it. It's a good thing. Uh, is there anything specific you were impressed with on the defensive side of the ball? I just thought overall it was a great performance. Yeah, I don't know that I would speak from from an individual standpoint other than Jamel Dean. You know, there were times during Bruce Arians' tenure here when Jamel Dean was, whether it was in camp or even in practice, where he dropped an interception. Yeah. And there were times where Bruce literally would have him walk over to him and he'd dry, he'd dry his hands off his off of, off of Bruce, like Bruce would grab his hands and rub it against his chest in reference, you know, basically saying, you know, get the butter off your hands, man, catch the football. And Sunday he did it. He, he moved on the football. He played the football like it was for him as opposed to being a defensive player. He played the football like a wide receiver and a guy that attacked the football and a guy that, that looks like he, in, in his time here now, has become a playmaker defensively. Right, you got a guy, Mike Edwards, that now you know he's got like three pick sixes in his career, and got another one on Sunday. Those things don't happen by accident, dude. Those things happen for a reason. When you when you're when you're getting pick sixes, multiple pick sixes, sixes in in the short part of your career, again, you've got instincts. You've got you're ball a instincts. You've got ball instincts, and you're moving on the football. And you're creating creating turnovers that turn into six points. And again, not by accident. So kudos to Mike Edwards. Those two guys from an individual standpoint, I think I've obviously stuck out from the defensive standpoint statistically. But overall, when you look at the linebacker play that they had on Sunday, I mean, five, four, four, five, flip them. I mean, those guys are all over the football field. Um you may look at the, you know, you may look at the game and, and think in terms of they did so many things that don't show up to to again to a stat sheet. Guys in the back stuck out because they made the actual turnovers. They were part of, you know, three of the five turnovers that occurred. Actually, four of the five turnovers because Carlton Davis got a fumble recovery. Yep. But along those same lines, again, those linebackers. Over and over, four, five, and five, four, all over the football field, and do things that, that again, don't show up on a stat sheet. One of the things on the defensive ball, side of the ball that we have to zero in on that wasn't on the good side was the fact that one of our biggest fears and concerns about this football team going into the season has already happened. Akeem Hicks, who they signed this offseason, gave a, a pretty hefty $10 million contract to. He's already going to be out for this weekend. Exited in the first half of that game against New Orleans with a with a foot injury. I believe that it came out that it's a torn plantar fascia, so he's going to miss a decent amount of time. Uh, Logan Hall and what we've seen from him in the first two games looks like he's a pretty solid player for a rookie who could possibly step into that role. But that's obviously not what you want if you're the Bucks and you brought in this guy instead of bringing back Indomitian Sue. Um, the, I hate to say that we told you so, but I mean, a guy with injury concerns like this, it just makes that 
uh, signing even more questionable. How big of a loss is it? And Lynn, are you surprised that the Bucks didn't go out there and go after a Sue or even a Gerald McCoy? No, on both. And it's not so much in regards to those players. It's more about where the Bucks are. You mentioned Logan Hall, and you mentioned the fact that, you know, Hicks is out. He may be out a month. He may be out a little longer than that to get back into shape. The good thing about it, it happened to a, a defensive lineman as opposed to a skill position player or player who relies on a lot of mobility and a lot of a lot of speed and, and quickness to his game. Not the knock, not the knock lineman, but that's not what they're paid for, to do when it comes to the fact of what they do on the football field. Hakeem uh, Hicks is, is is a guy that's going to move left or right, or straight ahead. That's it. Not a lot of movement in a football game when you're playing offensive line, defensive line. Not to say that they're not athletic, but again, speed and quickness is not part of their game. So the most important thing coming back is the pain level. Pain level. Can you play with that pain? That's the thing too. As far as signing the two veterans that you mentioned, again, they must know he's going to be back within four to six weeks, and they must like what they see in regards to Logan Hall and, and Rakeem nunez Roaches being able to hold it down until Hicks comes back. The thing about the I told you so is not so much, look, when, when the Hicks signing was done, it wasn't a matter of coming back now and being able to say, oh, you see, we told you so. No, it wasn't that. You never want to that do now. that, especially when it's involving a player getting injured. It's not that. It's a matter of how you're going to set your team up to move forward in the 2022 season. Financially, they set up the contract. You mentioned $10 million. It's not $10 million because the things in the contract that says, dude, if you don't play, you're not going to get this $10 million. You're going to get less than that. It's also a cap hit thing. You don't play 10 games. You're not going to be that crushing on the cap. Again, Mike Greenberg, capologist at the Everhelp Training Center, doing this long enough to know how to structure a contract for a player who missed 11 games in 2019 and eight games last year. With all that said, okay, you have to make sure, we talk about the offensive line depth, you have to make sure that you have a defensive line depth to sustain an injury. You have to prepare yourself to think that, okay, this dude may get hurt, which in, in tail could, could be the reason why you went and you, got, and you drafted a Logan Hall. People think in terms of, all well, the draft and think in terms of, well, what are we going to do? What are they going to do in a draft and how are they going to address some of their needs? Teams go beyond that. Teams think about free agency, then the, then the draft, and moving forward. I mean, all this is, is, is a domino effect on how the offseason goes. And because of that, it's not just about, okay, well, well you know, uh, we got a need. We're just going to draft a guy. No, all this stuff is mixed in when you start making moves in the offseason. It's the offseason. It's not just one piece. All those pieces have to fit. And again, when you go to when you go to free agency, when you go to the draft, and you go to to training camp, 
you're structuring your team to be able to say, okay, yeah, we signed Akeem Hicks, but we're going to be able to work with this injury if it comes down. We went through the worst case scenario in regards to Hicks getting hurt. Yep. But the bottom line is, you know who went through it first? The Bucks. The Bucks thought about it first because they know his history. They're the ones giving the guy a physical. I'm not banging his knee. I don't have a hammer banging his knee. I'm not checking in the bottom of his feet. I'm not tickling his feet, seeing if his plantar fasciitis is okay. That's not me. The Bucks are doing that. So they know more than anybody else. You know, fans kick and scream and, you know, get all upset because the guy got hurt. Look, they, they didn't want it to happen. But you know what? There's someone running around that building that said, we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm with you, which is why we questioned the signing to begin with. All right, now let's move to the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned the turnovers and the defensive scores. It's great. This offense is still struggling to put the ball in the end zone. And you mentioned at the beginning of the season that you thought that Leonard Fournette was going to be a true bell cow back for this offense. So far, he's got a ton of carries. You mentioned in the first week you thought we'd see a ton of ton of carries and touches for him. You thought the same thing in week two. I'll say this. I think they're relying on it too much. I think, you know, run to Fournette, first down, second down. I just I think that the Bucks and Byron Leftwich need to get a little bit more creative with their play calling moving forward because you're not going to be involved in these game. The, the team has only allowed one touchdown through two games, and you can't necessarily expect that to happen. And I think that we don't need to go full Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit, but I think we need to see a little bit more of that in this Bucks offense because I think they're relying too heavily on Fournette through two games, in my opinion. I think that that's a big part of the offensive struggles. Well, I'm glad you're not the offensive coordinator because it's been two weeks. That's number one. Number two is you're going through a transition with your offensive line. And number three is your offense played one, your starting offense, your number one offense, played one series together. Not that I'm, not that I'm in the prediction business, okay, <laughs> But if you if you go to Bucks if you go to uh, BucksNation.com and you go through the predictions that all of us that work for that site stated when the season started, we made all our predictions. Some of those guys will be right. You potentially probably not, but some of those guys like myself will be right with our predictions. All right, some of them will be wrong with our predictions. I've been into the particular record at the end of the year, okay? One of the things that I predicted was it was going to be a slow start offensively. That's where they're at. It's not time to start changing things because you think, oh, we're not moving the ball as well. No, it's a matter of getting things to progress slowly, okay? There will be a rhythm, and I stated this again, stated this again in regards to making a prediction of how the season will get off to its start. I said they'd get off to a slow start offensively. Why? Because they spent one series on a football field together the whole preseason. How do you expect them to get into a rhythm in the passing game when they're just when they're not passing the ball well, here's the enough? Problem. In here's, here's the problem, uh, tough guy. 
You want to get into a rhythm of the passing game. There's there's only been one constant to the passing game. All right, twelve. That dude. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For all Mike Evans, for all what he is, first two games, he still missed the fourth quarter. All right. Yeah. Julio Jones didn't play on Sunday. Russell Gage in and out. Played both games, but still in and out. All right. He's not get he's not getting a lot of snaps. Okay. Who else? Chris Godwin? Godwin, yeah. Played the first half, week one. So you want to change all these things when they don't even have all the pieces in place yet. It's not how it works, dude. Get all the police pieces in place, and then you tell me after you have them in place, then you tell me, okay, wait a second, we've all been in place now, but yet the offense is still stalled. Then you change things up. But until you get everyone in place, all the pieces in, are in place besides the 45-year-old quarterback, then, then you can say, okay, now let's see if we can get a rhythm. If we can't get a rhythm running the football the way we want to run it, then we change things up. But you're not changing. Why are you going to change things up now when you may have to change them back? Because you're averaging two point, you average 2.4 yards a carry. And you continue, to, and you continue, you're winning too. You're 2 and 0. You, you, you're, running, you're running your offense first off. But you can't expect to win games averaging less than two and a half off, yards a carry. First off, they just won a game, okay, with their biggest nemesis when it comes to the NFC. Huh? Their biggest nemesis. When it comes to the NFC, when it comes to the NFC, with that dude on that team, you can you can tell me about the Rams, you can tell me about the Packers, you can tell me about anybody else. The one team that had their number since that dude has been in Tampa Bay, it's been the Saints. And they just won that football game where they got outgained. <laughs> they gained 260 yards. And they were outgained and still won. So there are going to be games where you're going to rely on your defense. You can talk about whether it be the Packers game or the Kansas City Chiefs game. You know what both those teams don't do? Bring the Saints issues to the Bucks. So moving forward, again, once this team is whole, if we have this conversation two weeks from now, then I'll give you some, then I'll give you credence and you can have the floor and you can tell me about changing things up. But for right now, Oh, dude, you're not going to change things up because everyone's not in place yet. To me, it just seemed like a lot of once we got later in the game, them running the ball when it was clear that they weren't going to have success running the football that that game. So what? Your defense has already won the game. But why are you? But why are you doing something that? At that point, you're I'm not killing talking about... the damn goal clock. What do you mean? Why are you doing? No, 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 no. I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about once it was clear that the Bucks were going to win the game. I'm talking about when the game was still in doubt, when it was still a three-three football game, and and you're running the football and you're getting two yards, two yeah, yards a game. because you give your playmakers the football and your playmakers and you you're more reliable. Your biggest playmaker is number twelve. Okay, and who's he going to throw it to? He tried. <laughs> he tried, but you're getting two yards of carry. That's clearly not working. Okay, but you, but you don't, but you don't know that because you have to continuously continue to run the football. That's more reliable. Giving it to him, three yards in a cloud of dust is more reliable than stepping back and snapping it and trying to get ten to catch the football or to get ten open enough so he can catch the football. We're still waiting for certain plays 
to do what we've always talked about, what I certainly talked about, what is old head coach talked about. Get grimy. Make some, make some grimy plays. Make some plays that you're not supposed to make, okay? Opportunity was there on Sunday. That didn't happen. That's why 15 is now on his football team, who currently is on a practice squad. But that dude won't be on a practice squad very long. And I'm talking about Cole, Cole Beasley, who was signed this week to the practice squad, all right? He won't be there very long. Want to know why? Because they're finding someone for 15 to be able to rely, rely on. You want to throw the football on 15, on 12, that dude doesn't have somebody that he's like, okay, I'm going to him on third down. He don't have I mean, that, he didn't have that dude on Sunday. I mean, you still got, you still got Bray. You still have, I mean, the winning touchdown went to Perriman. I mean, you still have guys. Finally, yeah, yeah. finally. Okay, fourth quarter, <laughs> Fourth quarter, but you want them to switch up in the third quarter. And again, as long as the score is three three, why? 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 Why are you going to change it? Why are you going to panic? And, no, no, because what you were doing wasn't working. That's Listen, what I'm. The guy, the guy that knew it the most, that knew it wasn't working, was that dude twelve. That's why he threw the surface. Okay, that's why he broke that. thing on the sidelines. Okay, that's why he broke that thing. But, but. Why was he pissed? Because when they were doing what you want them to do, they weren't able to do anything. Why? Because we're playing, Bucks are playing, second, third, fourth guy on a depth chart. Actually, third and fourth on a depth chart because you're talking about Gage and you're talking about Scotty Miller. And eventually, the guy who caught the touchdown, probably fourth or fifth on a depth chart, and Bashar Perryman. So you want to... You want to change things up. I just told you who's out there catching the football. How are you going to change things up, dude? <laughs> I mean, look at the look at the success Cyril Grayson had last year when he was when against he was who? Into action. The Carolina Panthers. I just told you about who he had success in the playoffs too. Do I have to do this again? Do I have to tell you again? Their biggest nemesis since Tom Brady's been here has been that team. I'm okay? with you. Okay, I'm so don't you. tell me I'm about just... having success against you know, the, the Panthers or the Falcons. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, you're you're saying, oh, they weren't having success doing that, but they weren't having success running running the football either. Granted, but but you're more likely, you're Why? more likely to have, because you're giving it to a seven, you're giving it to Leonard Fournette, you're giving it to the, okay, it's real simple, dude. You got wide receivers who are third, fourth, and fifth on the depth chart, and you got your number one running back back there. Who's more likely to make a play for you? I just felt like the way that the game was going, it was clear you weren't going to have success in, in that facet of the ball game. Well, they and I thought they kept doing it too They much. obviously saw something that you didn't see in regards to trying to run the football. They felt like they would have more success running the football than throwing it, okay, where their matchup wasn't the better matchup. It ain't that damn hard. Okay. Once my but they ultimately didn't. That's that's my issue with it. Is that it seemed like they didn't. Why they didn't? Why? Because they're still piecing together their offense. They're piecing together their offensive line again. The one constant that's been out there. Okay, the first two games has been TB twelve. That's it. That dude. The offensive line's banged up. You still. Not playing with your starting left guard, but yeah, you still want you want him to go back there and throw the football when your left guard is out. I mean, left tackle. I mean, he out. ultimately he he threw the ball thirty four times on Sunday. And was only sacked once. Oh, yeah, but dude, 
do everything but you everything possible to keep him standing up. You had to do everything possible. Did you see many times they were they had Cole Keith in there and Kate yeah. Okay. Yeah. So don't tell me about well, he only got sacked once. Yeah, because you mass protected all sun all Sunday long. Every time he went back to pass the football. Why? Because they're gonna they're gonna protect that dude. I mean, yeah, he got sacked once, but that doesn't mean like they were like, oh, you know, willy willy-nilly just gonna run everybody out for five wide. No, dude, they protected the hell out of him because they wanted to protect the hell out of him against a team that has had their number. <laughs> I hope the Bucks start throwing the football a That's little fine. bit more. You know what? Forward. I hope they do when they're, when they're whole. They're not whole yet. Well, and they're not going to be whole this weekend against the Green Bay Packers yeah, because wants to go push people <laughs> because of what happened because of what happened in the second half. Because four thirteen wants to push people around. Mike Evans runs back onto the field. Got no water, man. I, that's, I, that's where I'm going to go with this. Marshawn La- Marshawn Lattimore gets into it with Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette and Bruce Arians on the sideline. It's debatable whether Bruce Arians signaled for Mike to get back out there. Uh, that's certainly what it looked like. But Mike Evans that runs back. Mike, 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 Mike doesn't need anyone to tell him. His back was just to it. Okay. So that's my only. Mike, but okay. Mike, but here's Mike. Did, Mike didn't need the cutter to tell him to blindside, <laughs> to blindside Lattimore three years ago either. Originally, uh, the the brawl wasn't caught as it was happening. And Greg Olson says that there were punches thrown. You see the replay. Mike Evans did not throw a punch. He did not punch. Uh, he did not punch Marshawn Lattimore, but he pushed him near the head area. Obviously, you got to know better than that. People know that I am Mike Evans' biggest supporter. Every week, come everybody I don't knows. even. Everybody yes, knows. everybody. Knows. Everybody who listens to this podcast. No, everybody, no, everybody knows. Hey, everybody knows Trey Downey. So you got to know yes, that he's of, a Mike of Evans course, fan. Of course. Okay, so. <laughs> The way the way that I the way that I put this was you gotta know better simply because of the repercussions for this. Now, do I think that the ejection was warranted in the game for both parties? Yes, I do. Do I think that Mike Evans should be suspended this weekend? No, I do not, because he didn't throw a punch. I don't think that he should be suspended this weekend. But I will say at the same time, if you're the level of leader, you've had that C on your chest for so many years. You've got to know better than that, especially when you're a sit- in a situation like the Bucks are, like you've mentioned, that you're on your second, third, fourth, fifth receiver on the depth chart. You're playing in a close game against your division rival on the road, and not to mention the fact that you've got two other Super Bowl contenders coming up in the in the next few weeks. Mike has to know better. Do I like that he is a guy that's going to stick up for his guys? Yes, but you can't go that far with it. Because regardless of what you think of Marshawn Lattimore, there are going to be repercussions for your actions. Here's where I say Mike has to be better about it. Because Mike has said he has to be better about it. That's the number one reason why. Forget what everyone else thinks. Okay? Take you back three years ago. Mike openly said it. When that happened with Jameis. And Marshawn Lattimore. Bottom line is, he's the guy that said it has to be better. He has to be better. 
than doing something like that. He can't cost his team. So for me to tell for me to say it, for everybody else that's been saying for the last three or four days, if you've been in the situation where you've stated that he needs to be better, you know what? You can be like me and say it, but it doesn't matter. The number one reason why <laughs> he has to know better is because he knows he has to be better. Forget everybody else. That's the dude that's taking the action. That's the dude that knows that he's costing his team when he does it. That's the dude that knows that Julio Jones is out. Chris Godwin is out. I'm the number one guy. I'm going to take the number one cornerback, and I'm going to create mismatches for my team. And granted, Lattimore got kicked out too, but doesn't matter because luckily they were up, but it doesn't matter. You can't leave your team bare like that. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you, especially because of what has happened now and the fact that he's not available for this Sunday's game against Green Bay Packers. Before we dig into that a little bit more, just one more question. Devin White's comments on the field after the game about Jameis Winston. A lot of talk made about that, especially because of Leonard Fournette's Instagram video where Chris Godwin called out Devin White on the team playing about the comments, fair or foul? The comments, not Godwin calling him out. 475-foot home run. That's fair. I didn't even think it was that crazy. I was surprised that Godwin even went, even said anything. Even though, I, even though it's understandable that Godwin and Jameis are friends. Here's the thing. The thing about it more than anything else, forget what he said. It's about how he said it. He had a big smile on his face when he was talking to Aaron <laughs> Andrews about it. He had a big old smile on his face. That was a thing for me. Like, he's listening to the question before she could even get the whole question out. He's already gleaming like, yeah, we just knew he was going to end up throwing the football to us. We practiced against him. We played against him. We know his tendencies. I mean, I don't think it was foul. Like I said, it was a 475-foot home run as far as I'm concerned. And it's one of the things I tweeted out when I tweeted out on Sunday. I tweeted out the question and his answer. And I I tweeted out the question because his big old smile on his face (laughs) told you where he was going. Like, yeah, whether it was openly said on the sidelines or whether it was said in that huddle or whether it was a whisper to 5-4 who happens to be very good friends with uh, Jameis Winston, too. All right, Levante and Jameis are tight, been tight with their years here. But whether Devin White told Levante privately, whispering his, in his ear, <laughs> helmet, hey, man, we know him. He's going to give us a couple. Or whether they said it in the huddle, hey, keep the pressure on, fourth quarter. We know he's going to give us a couple. Nothing wrong with that. You want to know why? Because they know him. More than anything, I think the whole situation gave you insight a little bit into the Bucks locker room while Jameis was here and how some of the defensive players might have viewed having him as the quarterback versus how some of his receivers and offensive players. Nah, I wouldn't go that far because any quarterback can get that from that defense. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I agree. I agree with you. You're not going to tell me that you're not going to tell me that the, that the Ravens defense didn't feel the same way about Joe Flacco, and I'm just throwing Flacco out. But I will say, I will say, who was that one place for a long time? 
when Jameis was here, we would hear it constantly, and it's clear that Devin White heard it. Give Jameis a better defense. Give Jameis a better defense. And that was part of his comments. He said, we thought we had a pretty good defense when he was here. So I th- it was a bit of built-up frustration there yeah. as well. But, 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 and I'm not defending Jameis here. I'm just talking in terms of how good or how well the defense was when he was here his last year. He put him in bad situations. There's no denying that. But they weren't one of the top defenses in the NFL. They are not. Yeah, you weren't winning. The defense wasn't winning the team football games like it has basically in in the first two weeks. And looking ahead to looking ahead to week three, I you don't necessarily typically think this when you're talking about Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. I think it's going to be another possible low scoring defensive battle again. It looks like Donovan Smith is going to be back, which is a, a big thing for this weekend. But you mentioned the receivers. Mike Evans will not play. He's suspended. And Julio Jones, we do not know yet. Th- Thursday, still not a participant in practice whatsoever. That would be a big get if the Bucks were able to get him back. But we just don't know at this point. Okay, so, so Trey, so what do you want them to do, Trey? You want them all of a sudden to open it up this week too? Okay, I think that's what I'm trying I'd to explain like to, to you, dude. I'd like to see them try a little bit more. Okay. If it's clear that the past, and you game, know what? If they can protect that dude better, then they probably will. But as long as their left tackle is out, their left guard may be out. Whomever it is along the offensive line, okay. If the only thing you have structured is is your right side of your of your offensive line, where your guard and your tackles in time, because you're still playing with the Let's face it. People keep forgetting, all right, you're playing with a backup center. You're playing with a yep. guy that's playing his first first two games as a starter in the NFL in Robert Hainsey. Okay? That's another factor. Again, you want him opening up. Did you not watch the Sunday night game when Michael Parsons went the way he did? Okay? Mm-hmm. And Tom had to get into Hainsey's face and tell him, hey, you need to make the right calls on this line. Step the hell up. Okay? Again, that's the reason why they are committed to the run as much as they are. They I are, just because they're not biggest, whole. My biggest thing on the first on the difference between the first two games, Fournette was getting off and having more success in the first game than he was in the second game. Now, if you go Sunday at home, the home opener, Ray J, and Fournette's averaging four or five yards a carry, feed him the football every every single time. But if you're getting two yards a carry again, then you need to start opening it up a little bit more. Okay. Good. And then find, uh, and find, I'm not going to argue with you. You got to find mismatches in the passing game, dude. And if you're talking about your third wide receiver against their number one corner, that's not a favor on your side. It's, I mean, it's not that hard, dude. That's how it is. That's how it is. You're giving the ball to your number one runner back as opposed to trying to find time for that dude behind a banged up offensive line to hit a third string wide receiver against a number one corner. I mean, how many, how many, it's real simple. You got a, you got a pro side and you got a negative side and the pro side got outweigh the negative side when you throw the football and it doesn't right now. I still think I favor the bucks to, to win this football game, especially at home. Packers look better in week two. We mentioned that they had a, a rough week one against the Minnesota Vikings they definitely did. They bounced back, but I think the Bucks at home and the Packers' run defense wasn't great against Minnesota, and I think that 
that could be part of the reason that they have success. Yes, I want to see them pass the ball more, but I think they should have more success running the ball against Green Bay than they did against New Orleans. Now, quickly, before we before we end things, to me, I think the marquee game of the week is, you mentioned them last week, Miami, prove yourself. They had a huge comeback against Baltimore. Now they play what we both agreed is the best team in the NFL right now in the Buffalo Bills. No, absolutely. It's a game that I circled. And, you know, as it is, it's six, I believe six teams out of 2-0 and, and and heard it last week that 80% or close to 80% of teams that start 2-0 and make the playoffs. I mean, you look at the teams that are 2-0. and <laughs> The Giants are 2-0, and okay? Yeah. <laughs> if that 80% holds true, you can start picking the teams who's not going to make it as opposed to the teams that are going to make it. I'm still, like, as well as the Dolphins played that fourth quarter, they were down 35 points. They gave up 35 points, all yeah. right? So, I, granted, this game's going to be a home game for them, but I can't see them giving up 35 and expect them to turn it around against the Buffalo Bills. That's not going to happen. You can't go into every week like that. Not only that, you're starting to get film out there, too. Two weeks in a row, all right, they were able to to – to work it the way they did offensively, and Mike McDaniels is doing a great job running that offense. But he's got he's got Tyreek Hill in situations where, again, two weeks in a row, there's film out there, and eventually someone's going to find out, figure out ways to stop Hill. Even if you do, you still got Waddle. But I'm thinking at some t- at some point or some time, they're going to force Tua to hold on to the football a whole lot longer than he wants to. And at that point, check down to the third guy. You may see some pressures. You may see some 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 uh, strip sacks, whatever it is. But right now they're rolling, and they were rolling on Sunday. It's so That's, funny. Uh, I mean, interrupt me, but it's so funny. Pat McAfee, God bless him. His show did a reverse of two throwing motion and plays in that game on Sunday, and you watch it. Is him a righty as a righty, and he looks like a stud. But for some reason. People see him throw left, and it's like, oh, he can only throw 40 yards, and there's that and everything else. It's like flip it around to a righty. People people don't like lefties, man. I mean, I'm okay with them. Yeah, my dad's one of those. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. Until next week, follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Check out BucksNation.com. Until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.